Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I am Brian Yeager. So what we're going to do today is I have a guest with me, and you might be saying, hey, it's Thursday. Why is this podcast out? Well, what we're going to do is the first Thursday of every month from here going forward, at least for a while, is I'm going to have a guest with me on the podcast, and they're going to be brethren from the congregation here in El Paso. Well, today I have with me a brother in Christ that I met five years ago, or just about five years ago. He came through El Paso and Fort Bliss, the military base that's here, and we met and we had a Bible study. And what we're going to talk about today is relevant to what happened in Bill's life and his wife and family. We're going to be talking about moving to a sound congregation. So I remember, Brother Bill, do you remember Dairy Queen? Very much so. So I met Bill and he called me up and we got together and we met at a Dairy Queen. Well, I actually picked him up at Fort Bliss and uh, we went to a Dairy Queen. Him and another brother here who will be joining me in a future podcast named Brandon. And when we first met, we talked at length about scriptural authority and, and the application of scriptural authority. I remember talking to you, Bill, about Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. And I remember we went through various different scriptures in our first conversation. Colossians three seventeen, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I remember you saying, yeah, I know all those scriptures. I agree. Yeah, and I, and I did. And uh, um, so agree with all of that. And uh, but. The, the application was a little different, right? Right. I, I, I remember I remember we were sitting at the table there at Dairy Queen and I, I asked you, I said, well, if you believe that everything you're doing is with scriptural authority, and I said, tell me what congregation you're a part of or what congregations you consider sound. I don't remember the exact congregation. That's irrelevant anyway to our discussion that we, we looked up online, but I have my phone there. And I said, okay, well, this congregation's doing this, and they're doing this, and they're doing this. And I said, now, Bill, you said that you agree with Colossians 3.17, but where do you find that in the Bible? Do you remember that discussion? Yeah, I remember that discussion very well. And uh, uh, when we went through those scriptures, I really had nothing to say because the scriptures and in comparison to the things that were going on in the congregation that I was a member of and most congregations today, you just don't see it. You don't you don't you don't find it. And uh, that's where I was stuck at. And so uh, going forward, I just had to come with the come with the understanding and the conclusion that. I needed to to look into these things further uh, rather than just go off of my own understanding and things that I've been taught in the past. Well, I remember, brother, there was a time during that discussion, I was pointing out to you in Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seemeth right in a man, but then thereof the ways of death. Because I remember we were talking about, yeah, but what's wrong with that? And I, I remember saying, Bill, you're asking the wrong question. It's not what's wrong with that. It's what right with it. Mm -hmm. You remember that discussion? Yeah, I remember that discussion. Um, and, that, and that hit home uh, pretty good. Uh, and so I just had to pretty much stop and question everything. Because there were things that I had made mention that I was already questioning anyway within myself. But I never uh, put it forth to question any of the uh, brother brethren that were at the congregation that I was a member of. Um, just, just one thing to mention, like just having the, the second service and, the, and the, the second giving of the Lord's Supper. I would always question that in my head, but 
never just put forth the question and question the things that I was doing. Yeah, I remember us talking about that. I think when you and I talked about that, it was actually in writing. You had been deployed at that point in time, and you brought it up. It wasn't when we were in person, but you brought it up, and you said, I have a question, uh, this and this and this. And I remember writing back to you and, and just saying, hey, look, when we look at the pattern in the New Testament, the Christians in Troas, the example that's always used, right, mm-hmm. um, among churches is Acts 20 and verse 7, upon the first day of the week, right? Right. And, and they came together to break bread, and Paul uh, preached to them and continued his speech until midnight. Mm-hmm. And I remember as we were talking about that uh, in writing, I said, you know, this is the scripture that's generally used about the first day of the week. And people then will use 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through uh, 26. But what they don't do is look at the whole context. Like in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty three, when it tells them to tarry for one another. Right. And it's, hey, if you're going to meet as a congregation, you need to meet at a time when all of the brethren can assemble together and can partake of the Lord's Supper. And I remember you wrote back something like, I need to look into that. I could hear your voice in the, in the, in the writing of it. And then, and then we didn't talk about it again until we talked about it later in person. Uh, but did you ever inquire? I know at the time you, you were deployed, but then you came back. And when you came back, uh, we communicated via phone then uh, quite often. Uh, and you were going to talk to the elders where you were uh, in the state of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what did that go like when you started bringing these questions up? When I first brought it up, I, I actually talked to one of the, the elders at that congregation uh, via f- phone call or some way over the phone through voice to voice while I was deployed. And um, I had some questions for him about the uh, about the Lord's Supper, about the second service, about um, things that uh, like orphan homes and things of that nature. And uh, so he said that he he wanted to make some preparations and he get back to me. So he ended up getting back to me and we have had a discussion about those things. And, uh, it was really in a roundabout way and, and like nothing clear and understanding from the scriptures he was able to give me. Uh, and none of the other elders as well about any of the things that I was questioning as far as the orphan home, like they would take me to some scriptures, but it wasn't making any sense in how they was explaining it at all whatsoever. Yeah, generally speaking, when I was among congregations, I'll just say it like that, uh, that had similar views that you were uh, looking at at the time, uh, people would take me to James one twenty seven, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And they would say, that's why we have orphan homes and that's why this congregation supports this orphan home or that orphan home or whatever the case may be. And I don't know how many times I had to ask, but, but there's nothing in here about an orphan home. It's the fatherless and the widow. And then to keep himself unspotted from the world, this seems like it's telling me I need to do something. Now, of course, the book of James is not written to me like any book of the Bible. It's not written to me. In fact, the book of James is written to uh, first century Christians that were scattered. The people that we see in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, they were scattered. They went everywhere uh, preaching the word. But generally, James 1.27 is the passage that's using. Interestingly, uh, last month I did a, a podcast on Sunday about... James 1.27, from the time that we're recording this, it's actually a future podcast, uh, but people will be able to go look at that Pure and Undefiled Religion Before God podcast. It was on a Sunday back here in May. 
but generally speaking, the, the answers just weren't there. People aren't giving, hey, you know, one of the things I guess that I fa- fell into a lot is I would ask people that I thought really knew the Bible, and I would thought, they're, they're going to give me a clear answer. I'm going to feel better about being part of this after the answer. And like, for example, in all the churches that, that I assembled with in the past when I was in error, if I would have said, why do we baptize people? What, what kind of answers would they have given? They would have given clear, straight answers uh, to why we baptize people for the remission of sin, yeah. to baptize into Christ, yeah. things like that. Yeah, they would point, point out Acts 2.38 says mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Galatians 3.26 says it. Why, why, why do we baptize by water? 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, they might even start at the baptism of John and show this was the pattern because the law of Moses was until John, uh, Luke 16, 16, baptism started being taught for repentance, uh, but it wasn't until after Christ dead, buried, and risen, and ascended into heaven that the gospel was preached to all men, and the quote-unquote great commission began to be uh, fulfilled. But but they know all those answers, and it's always was clear, cut, and dry. Well, why do we why do we go down in water? Why don't we sprinkle like the Catholics do? Why don't we uh, pour water on them like the uh, other denominations out there uh, might do? And it would be well, you know, when you look at the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch, Acts eight twelve. Or Acts 8, 25 through 39, they went down in the water, both Philip and the eunuch. It's a burial, Colossians 2 and verse 12 and Romans 6, 3 through 6. But some of these other questions, you ask them and it's, well, it's an expedient. Mm-hmm. What's well, an expedient for what? Or it's generic authority. God tells us to do good unto all men, but he doesn't specify how to do good. Okay, but uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Verses 1 and 2, it says, Furthermore, furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you walk walk and please God, so you would abound more and more, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. It, we have instructions. The church in Thessalonica knew what to do because the Lord said it. And then, how about this? Have you ever heard this in churches of Christ? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness. The man of God might be perfect through, live furnished into all good works. You ever heard that? Yes, I've heard that plenty. And, and they would say, we what? We speak where the Bible speaks and we're silent where the Bible is silent. Until I ask this question and then you say, well, yeah, the Bible doesn't say anything about it, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> but. What's after that but, though? But what? You're not giving me information now, right? You're giving me some kind of soft answer. It's, it, it doesn't fit it. So what happened is you you kept asking questions, and, and uh, I know you and I would talk, and there were times where I thought I lost you, man, quite frankly. Uh, what, what, what would happen when you were having those conversations? To be honest, I, I was in a state of... Uh... In a state after I came out of the state of uh, our initial meeting, being you know I was initially angry uh, from our initial meeting when and you and I met when when we first met and some of the things that you know reading the scriptures that you were giving me and, and how I was not uh, able to come meet with the saints to be able to worship because I myself was in in error and um, once I got over all of that my state was 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 fear because uh, I knew some of the things that. I was a part of was not right. I just didn't know. 
I just didn't come to the conclusion that everything was right. So I was, you know, let me get in and let me let me figure this stuff out because not only my soul, I had children, I have a wife, and it's upon me to be able to lead my family. So I was in a state of fear at that time. And so I wanted to get this stuff right and as soon as possible. I remember talking to you. Matter of fact, I remember the first time I heard from your wife, it was January 2019 in an email. And she was asking me about the funds collected on the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. Aren't you surprised I can remember that? I am very. <laughs> <laughs> I cheated. <laughs> I looked up my Wouldn't email. <laughs> if you don't know me, folks, my brother Bill knows me and my brethren here know me. I don't remember last week a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm sitting here telling him, I, I can remember when I got an email from, from his wife and his eyes got all big. Like, how in the world? How in the world is Brian remembering right. that? And what it was about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and back in 2019, I didn't just get uh, one or two emails a day. I get a lot less now than I did then. So to be to remember one email from 2019, I mean, I was averaging probably 15, 20 a day uh, in answering Bible questions during the week. So yeah, that definitely wasn't there. So you were in fear and I hate hearing that. And I know it because we talked about it. I remember talking to you right before you deployed. And the last thing I want to hear as an evangelist is that somebody's in fear because the Word of God is not burdensome, First John 5, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to embrace you right away. I, I got to tell you, man, I, just looking across the table, I just I remember the fear I had for you uh, and for your family uh, at that time. Uh, so what happened? You came back, and you, you, like all of us, um, you know, I've moved multiple times. It's a little bit different because I preach the gospel, and you can't stay at home and preach the gospel. Uh, so, but I've moved multiple times. I, it is nerve wracking to go into the unknown. It's nerve wracking to to do that. What made you choose? What what got you to the point where you said we got to go? Well, because I wasn't um, because of the 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 unwillingness of the congregation that I was a part of to change. Uh, we wasn't we wasn't worshiping. We didn't have a congregation to to meet with of and of course I know that you know you can meet in your home according to scripture and uh, we could have did that back in Mississippi with me and my family but I was struggling and I was just learning so I needed to be with a sound teacher and a sound congregation with a, a body of Christians around me to be able to help me so I made the decision uh, along with my wife to to move my family here to a sound congregation to one that I knew that was doing the right thing uh, so that we could be in a place to where we can be uh, saved spiritually and then where we can continue our learning and uh, not with the body of Christians that were not doing the right thing. Yeah, I remember those times that you were making that decision. And one of the conversations we had, in fact, we uh, not long ago here here in our uh, uh, class that some of us have on the book of Luke, we were talking about Luke chapter 9, 57 through 62, uh, where Jesus has the three individuals. Uh, one went in the way and man said, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said, and foxes have holes and the birds of air have nests, but the son of man hath nowhere to lay his head. And then he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bear their dead, go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell to at home at my house. 
And Jesus said to him, no man having put in his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I remember when you and I talked about this, and of course, the, the account in Luke 9 is a little bit different because Luke chapter 10 begins talking about the 70 that Jesus sent out two by two, and they were to leave without money or without belongings, without much and backup and everything else. You knew you were coming to a faithful Christian, so there was a soft landing uh, to be expected, uh, so to speak. You know, we don't have to get into all the all those things, uh, but the nerve-wracking side. How nerve-wracking is that? Very, because I mean, even though that there's a, you know, the brethren here they 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 helped my family out um, immensely coming into El Paso, but at the same time, um, you think about uh, scriptures where that you know. Uh, bear ye one another's burdens but then you have to bear your own burden so you can't depend on the brethren uh for forever so just knowing that i'm leaving one job that i'm taking care of my family and i don't have one coming in the el paso so it's nerve-wracking you know what what am i going to do next you know and so those things were definitely on my mind yeah you brought up galatians chapter 6 Verses two through five, bear ye one another's burden, so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then he shall rejoice in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Uh, of course, and that's talking more about spiritual things mm -hmm. than the physical anyways. But but just the principle uh, in itself, sure, you can depend on somebody else for help, but there's a point you got to bring it. I want to back up for a moment There's something you said Uh you know, sometimes people come to this question, you'd mentioned meeting in a home. Uh, I know you're nervous. So what you probably meant is starting a congregation that would have been out of your home. Right. But that's not just easy thing to do because a congregation has work to do, right? Right. right. I mean, you, you can't just, well, we're just going to worship at home. Uh, I think sometimes people get caught in this mentality and that's not a congregation. That's a family worship at home. And then sometimes people say, well, where are two or three gathered together in my name? That's in the context. Matthew 18, 20 is in the context of discipline. discipline right. Yeah. Matthew mm -hmm. 18, uh, 15 through 35 and yeah. forgiveness and such. That. That's not talking about a congregation assembling. The church didn't even exist to start assembling at that point in time, though it had been prophesied, talked about by Jesus. And even in that context, the church has talked about bringing people before them, but it wasn't giving instructions to be a congregation of two or three. Um, and, and, and we've known some people that have, have done that and have struggled because they're a congregation of two or three or, or very hard, especially when you're a family. I think you probably uh, share same thought on this that I do. It's one thing to talk to your wife about something, but to be able to go talk to a brother in Christ. Yeah, so, so it's a lot different uh, to, uh, to be able to... In Talk to someone else, you know, and especially just being with that family, it, it just not, it just doesn't work well, mm -hmm. just being your family. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that, I knew that even then. Mm -hmm. So then you, you say, okay, so we're going to move from Mississippi. My, my brother, how many family members do you have that lived in El Paso? Zero. <laughs> Outside of me. You didn't meet anybody. At one point, I think I gave you phone numbers to some of the people here, and I know you talked to some of the people here. Uh, but uh, what did you know about El Paso other than Fort Bliss and maybe a couple weeks you spent here? Nothing. Um, just The only thing I knew was just coming here when I did. I, I think I may have come through here as a kid, traveling from Mississippi to California. But aside from that, I knew nothing of El Paso. And Mississippi and El Paso, how similar? 
Not similar at all. It's <laughs> very different coming from a, a green water climate to desert, dry, you know, dust. <laughs> <laughs> sure enough, right? So you have this, because I remember us talking about a few moments ago, I read Luke 9, 57 through 62. I remember you and I talking about that. Uh, you know, hey, don't make this decision and then turn back. Mm. Uh, and, you know, when, when we look at the scriptures, Hebrews 10, 38 and 39, the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them which draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of a soul. Uh, you don't want to turn back. You don't, you don't want to fall away. Some of Jesus' disciples did that in John 6, 60 through 66, where that time many disciples went back and walked no more uh, with him. In our first John class, we're going to be talking about first John 2 and verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For had they been with us, they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out that they may be manifested that they were not with us. It's like, hey, sometimes people aren't really in. They're just halfway there, mm -hmm. just partially there. So you made a good commitment, and here we are four years later, I think to this month, well, to the month of May, right? Didn't you, I think month you moved of May, here. May 3rd. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so um, you, you've been here four years uh, now. How, how much have you grown spiritually? I've grown a, a, a lot spiritually um, from where I was and continuing to grow. Um, I can tell a huge difference from where I was into where I am now. Um, and the things that I, I understand now versus then. Let me ask you another question. Just a thought that, that I have. Um, I would guess that where you assembled in the past, there were a lot of people that had problems with what was going on, but didn't say anything. But but maybe among some people. Were, did you ever experience that where people disagreed with maybe the eldership or the preacher, but they really didn't say anything just to a few people? Oh, yes. Yes, I've experienced that. Um, and not just then. I've had people tell me, these things when I mentioned it to them now, like since I've been here in El Paso, I have different discussions and then they're like, yeah, I, I've thought about that too. And But nobody ever seems to want to, I guess, ruffle the feather, so to speak. So it's a little bit hard to get people to commit and be convicted. Right. When I was thinking about this discussion with you today, one of the thoughts that entered in my mind was conviction. For a man to say, I'm going to move across multiple states and really moving across Texas itself is like moving across. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> right. <laughs> like when you hit hit the eastern border, you don't realize it's 14 hours later before you get to El Paso. And that's if you pretty much drive straight through. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it's like 870 miles or something like that. Somewhere in the neighborhood, 900 miles. And it's a long drive. And it's crazy because when you're going across Texas, it's like you get to experience a lot of the country. You see green, you see water, you know, depending on whether you, what interstate you come in or from the north or whatever, you, you see plains. And then all of a sudden, man, you get out here and you start seeing the foothills, the Rocky Mountains, the Rocky Mountains, desert. Desert. <laughs> yep. And uh, it, it, it was definitely a, a journey. Um, just driving straight through would be long, but then you have to consider uh, I'm driving a U-Haul truck and then my wife and then at the time two children we're driving our, our uh, only vehicle that we had. So we had to split it up into three days, a three-day trip. So just 
that in itself it, it, it was it was pretty difficult. It was. I remember mm. the flat tire. Yeah, flat tire. Yeah, happening along the way, and uh, just it, it was it was difficult. It's, it's, it was a tough journey, and I remember you getting here and us helping you move in. So after you after you learn the truth, is there a switch that flips where because this happened to me? Once I start seeing the truth, and I wish I would have had somebody to help me see it sooner, but once I start seeing the truth. I understand in 2 Corinthians 13, 8, Paul said to the Corinthians, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. I hit that point where truth is all I want. I don't care who is left behind. Uh, I don't. Let me rephrase that. I care who's left behind. I don't want to see anybody lost. But what I mean is that's not going to be weight to me. It's not going to hold me back. It's not going to keep me uh, from doing uh, the right things. What's your thoughts on that verse? We can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Well, I mean, it, it, it hits home for me because it is a, it's a difficult time, especially it's still difficult now because I'm not letting anything hold me back either. But it still hurts that my family is left behind because I've had some difficult, difficult discussions with members of my family and uh, they're, they're behind. And I just want them. I want to be able to bring them forward along with me. But it's their decision and, and it hurts, you know, and uh, that's very difficult to know that, you know, they can have the truth just as I have it, but refuse it. And to think that they have the truth, but they don't. I know some of what you've been through. Of course, we share some of that. I think most people uh, that have come to a knowledge of the truth understand what, what that's like. And I know some of the things that people will generally say to you, have you had this? You're crazy. Mm-hmm. You're crazy, right? Yep. Uh, in Acts 26, 24, and 25, thus he spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said... I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth words of truth and and soberness. Like, hey, you're crazy. Um, others might allege, like they did uh, with Paul in Acts 24, 5, we found this man a pestilent fellow, a mover of sedition among the Jews throughout the world, a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Uh, it's like, you know, you're going and joining a sect. You're crazy. Those types of things. Those type of things, a sect, a cult. Uh, I mean, anything you can name, you know, uh, those cult being the main one and just hearing those things is, is, is hurtful, you know, and, uh, sometimes it, it, it pulls on you a little bit, but you have to, you have to just hold fast and, 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 and know that you're in the truth. So let me ask you this question. The people that think that about you, uh, would you say that they're familiar with Acts chapter two? I know that they say they are. Right. I know that they say they are familiar with Acts chapter 2. Good point. Good point. Right? A lot of people say that they're familiar with something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are. So question. What did they do in Acts 2 after they obeyed the gospel? The people that were from other countries. They were all there. They came from other countries and they stayed in Jerusalem. From They left everything that they had. 
And they were there uh, in, in Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem, and they were one congregation after they obeyed the gospel at, at that time. Aren't they crazy? They must have been. All right. All right. Aren't they part of a cult? <laughs> <laughs> must have been. Right? Like, I don't know what people are thinking. I don't think people are genuinely honest uh, when they talk about these things. Just think about, just think about this, uh, my brother. Uh if I would have come through Mississippi and I would have said, I'm going to pick 12 men to go with me and preach. Come on with me, Bill. Uh, and don't look back. And you left and we went and gathered some other men. What would people said about you, about me, about me and about you for following me? Why are you following that guy? Who is he? What is, what is he doing? You, you don't know him. You're just going to up and leave your job. If you have a family, you're just going to up and leave your family and, and, and just go with this person. Those things are, are are being said being said now. You know, I've I've uh, I've had uh, one person literally say that you were a crook. That I'm a crook. Yeah, yeah, literally. That, not today. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder what I'm stealing. <laughs> right. Mm. So those people that look at you like you're crazy and they start throwing those things at you. And I think all Christians like Paul, we just used as an example, face that. But I don't think they measure the insanity of Christianity. Mm -hmm. And I'm just saying that through their lens. In Luke chapter five, it came to pass, I'm just beginning at verse one, came to pass as the people pressed upon him, that is Jesus, to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Genesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net." And when they had done, when they, and when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come out and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which he had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. How crazy is that? I mean, just looking through the lens of, of their eyes, I mean, it's very crazy. I mean, they forsook all. For they forsook everything. Their, their, their livelihood, which was fishing. And they left it behind to follow him. At a point where they had just been successful. Mm -hmm. I mean, my goodness, who in the right mind would do that? I'll tell you who in the right mind would be somebody who wants to follow Jesus. Right. Somebody that wants to get to heaven. Mm -hmm. Somebody that wants to please the Lord God Almighty Father above. Mm -hmm. um, how about this? Uh, the many Bible studies that I've had over the years uh, with people in, in the thousands, they will say, yeah, but I, I know of 50 preachers that say the opposite of, of what you say. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I've heard that too, you know, uh, several times. It's 
especially from my own my own family, saying the exact same thing. But what does those 50 preachers have to do with anything? It's following the scriptures is what we what we have to do. And even though you mentioned that, they'll still say, claim that I'm following a man, following you, you know, which even scriptural gives that allowance. But you have to make sure that if you're following a man, that he's following Christ. Yeah. So just real quick, what's it like here? How much control do I have here in the congregation? No control. No control whatsoever because we work together as a congregation, uh, which which is supposed to be because um, this congregation does not have elders. And so we have to deal as if we don't have elders. And one man can't be control of anything. If you were to look at the congregation here and examine this, uh, this question, what what do I primarily do? Do do I oversee? No, your primary work here is teaching, studying the word of God, teaching and helping those of us who are a member of this congregation stay saved and be able to get to heaven. What are the Bible classes like here? Do I just get up and say, this is the truth and y'all accept it? No. What are they like? They're they're uh, con- inclusive, informative. We have great discussion on uh, Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon in each one of our Bible studies. And so they're just like that. And uh, Are questions welcomed? Yes, questions are very welcomed. Um, I have no issues, especially when I got here, all the questions that I had were 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 welcome and um and, and encouraged encouraged me to ask questions ask as many questions as i needed to ask and that we go through the scriptures talk about it discuss it and and put it forth in context and that's the that's what happened and so i would say that how can you how can you say you're following a man that you don't even know you you refuse to talk to you refuse to have conversation with and but he's a crook or you're following a man and you know nothing about him and you refuse to talk to him. So it, How open am I when you're here? Very, very open. Would you say I have some things that are hidden? No. And a matter of fact, let me talk on that point for a minute. Um, you model your life as an evangelist very much so after Christ, because uh, Christ said uh, in, in nothing have I kept secret. And that's how you live your life. And I've seen that from the moment that I moved here till now, you know, hold nothing back. And I'll just say one more point on that is that when I first got here, you even put in front of me on the table, your whole household budget. Now who does that on paper, showing me your entire budget uh, of what you do with your own personal finances. How many people would do that? You know, how much do you make? What's in your bank account? Most people would tell you that's none of your business, but you're very open. Like a like a, a glass house, so to speak, very transparent. So, so just for the record's sake, if somebody I don't know asked me my budget, I would tell you it's none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> but but in that discussion, if I remember correctly, I was talking to you about budgeting, mm-hmm. and I said, "Here, here's how I budget. I just printed off my monthly budget. It wasn't to wasn't to say look at my money or look how I'm doing or anything like that. Right. I was just trying to give you a model of." Of how I budget, because I don't have nothing to hide. Right. You know, I, that's the point. Yeah. You know, you don't have anything to hide. But yeah, I hope somebody will get my point when I say. <laughs> well, let me tell you yeah. something about the internet. Mm-hmm. Whatever you say, it's kind of like when you get arrested. Not that, not that we want to go out and get arrested. It's whatever mm-hmm. you say can and will be used against you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not, not only that, my brother. Mm-hmm. Even what you don't say, right, can, can be, will can be, be used, used against, against you. Sure enough. 
but we're okay. You know what? This podcast uh, is very, very open, just like all, all discussions that we have and nothing that we want to conceal. Uh, when it comes to, hey, I know all these people that say something different. Paul warned Timothy. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away the ears from the truth shall be turned into fables. And you had mentioned, uh, you know, sometimes, well, this preacher says this or this in our um, previous discussions that we've had not had in this podcast. That's exactly what people do. They do two things. They want to try to destroy the messenger. Uh, and then they want to say, hey, look how many people disagree. You know, I, I, again, I wonder how many people are genuine Bible students because the Bible says few there be that find it, Matthew 7, 13 and 14, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be on the side of the majority. And you know what? I've had discussions with people in churches. Uh, we'll, we'll just say, because your background, you come out of uh, Church of Christ in uh, Mississippi, um, I've had discussions with people along the same line of fellowship because we know all, all the churches of Christ, the name is not unscriptural. Uh, so it's very difficult to talk about it. Like you don't want to say churches of Christ are wrong because Romans sixteen sixteen, right? I mean, it's a scriptural name, but many of the ones we've seen, mm-hmm. right, right, are more of a movement. Right. They're more of the restoration movement, not necessarily founded by Jesus or coming from the Bible. And and will outward, outward, outrightly state that, but then they'll deny it almost in the next sentence. Yes, uh, we came out of the restoration movement, but we're the church that Jesus built. You're not both. Right. You, you know, you either began with Alexander and Thomas Campbell and Barton W. Stone, and I don't know all the names of the men, or you began with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen in recent 20, 30 years is uh, they began with a movement. Uh, and because they began with a movement, they've done many things that are of men because that's the tradition that's there. And therefore, they want to say, this preacher says this, this preacher says that. Look at this commentary. Look at that commentary. And they build all their points up. Like 50 preachers uh, agreed with that. But, but if you look back at the New Testament, few there be that find it. And not just that. Anybody that's, you know, was a little child being taught the Bible, they were taught about Noah and the ark. Now, not necessarily the right way, like they make everything flowery and nice and beautiful. It's a day of destruction where eight souls were saved. Mm-hmm. Eight, eight. How many people look at Noah if that were today and been like, dude, you're crazy, right? Yeah, all of the people that they talk the way they talk now, just like then, the people that didn't listen to Noah in his day. And they were all drowned, and only the eight souls were saved. And so, I mean, I, I just don't understand how people can just miss that, you know. Or why they'd want to. Right. You know, I, I come back to, you know, Second Corinthians 13, 8, we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. I don't know why people don't adopt that. Uh, again, I'm going to use the phrase, I don't care. I don't mean it literally. Um, but we ought to have the I don't care what you believe mentality when it comes to the truth. What to buy the truth and sell it not? Proverbs 23, 23. Mm-hmm. It should be, hey, I love mom and dad. I love grandma and grandpa. I love whoever it is that's part of whatever religious background that I'm a part of. But if they're wrong, they're wrong. Jesus is right. Jesus is always the one that's right. In John chapter 6, I mentioned earlier that there were those that walked away in verse 66. And after that, 
uh, in verse 67 through 69, Jesus said unto the 12, will you also go away? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art Christ, the son of the living God. Hey, here it is. <laughs> Who else are you going to go to? No. I mean, when people ask me, who do you follow? I tell them Jesus. Mm -hmm. I may follow Jesus through the pen of Paul, through the pen of Peter, through the example of some of my faithful brothers and or sisters in Christ. Sometimes we see Christ in other people and we follow examples like I think you alluded to this earlier. I don't remember you giving the, the reference, but uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, where Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I am also of Christ. Right. Uh, yeah, sometimes we follow good examples, but, but Jesus is at the front of that line. Right. To whom shall we go? There's nowhere else to go. Nowhere else to go. Without Jesus, we have no hope. So without Jesus, we have no hope. There's nowhere else to go but to him. So being a faithful disciple, do you think that a lot of people just get kind of complacent? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've heard it um, by statements made like, I've, I've done what God wants me to do. By family members making that statement, I've done it. Like I've already arrived. Yes, we've been baptized into Christ. And in that, you know, you've had your sins washed away, but none of us are in heaven yet. And so none of us have arrived. So you to have that complacency as if you've already made it is, is dangerous. And people have that mentality and that mindset. Yeah. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Mm -hmm. Amos 6 and verse 1, the Lord said to the children of Israel, when they were just chill, man, they're like, hey, we're good. Or the, the, the church, the church, here I am making up words, man. I do that on a regular basis in Bible classes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Make up some funny words. Uh, when the church at Laodicea uh, was uh, addressed, uh, they said, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And they knew not that they were wretched, miserable, poor and blind and naked. Uh, people get complacent. They're on the fence of neutrality. God would rather you be hot or cold. That's what he said, Jesus, to the church in Laodicea there in Revelation 3, 14 through 22. Uh, but a lot of people just get complacent. They they are where they are. They're comfortable with where they are. Uh, when I heard you talking, I don't know if you saw, but my eyes got big when you said, you know, I, I, I'm good. It, we're not good until we're with God, right? right? Receiving the end of your faith the salvation of your souls, 1 Peter 1 and verse 9. But a lot of people, because sentence, because action isn't taken immediately. In fact, Solomon talks about this in uh, Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 11, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set upon them to do evil. And a lot of people think, well, I'm going to continue with what I've been doing. Nothing bad's happening. I'm good. I'm okay. But here it is to the heart of our discussion. We're talking about moving to a sound congregation. Mm -hmm. All right. So it's not just what am I doing, but whom am I in fellowship with? How important is that question? It's very important in who, uh, in who you're in fellowship with because many have the mindset is that if I'm doing the right thing, it doesn't matter what others are doing around me. 
that whole um, um, the 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 wheat and the tares mentality, and thinking that men are going to do what they're going to do while they're here on earth, whether good or bad, and then they're only going to be separated or should be separated in the judgment. You bring up the wheat and the tares. I've heard many people teach the wheat and the tares that in the church, there's wheat and tares. Mm -hmm. Right. That's not the truth. Exactly right. In Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus, you know, Jesus gives the parable in Matthew 13, 24 through 30. But then in verse 36, Jesus sent the multitude away, went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Now, I don't know about you, but I've sat in many an audience where the parable of the wheat and tares was taught, but the explanation of Jesus gave wasn't. And the way that people explained it is, they would say in Matthew 13, 24, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And they say, see, the devil has come and put unfaithful people in the church. But Jesus' explanation in Matthew 13, 37, he answered and said to them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, not the church. Right. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. The tares are the children of the wicked one. Exactly. They're not faithful Christians and unfaithful Christians. Christians. They're just people in the world. There are good people in the world, and then there's bad people in the world. But because people misunderstand that and have been taught incorrectly on that, I don't know about you, I was guilty of this in my youth. Uh, I, I wasn't like the Bereans, even though it was preached. Be like the Bereans, search the scriptures like daily, whether those things are so, Acts 17, 10, 11. I just thought the man up there preaching knows a whole lot more about the Bible than I do. And he used scripture. It's got to be right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and and that was in my past as well. You know, and uh, I, I'm not very, very good at recollecting scripture from mine. But when I hear scripture now, I make sure I go and I take time and I read it and I study it to make sure it's the truth and compare it to other scriptures and things of that nature to make sure I'm doing my own work and my own study and my own understanding to make sure I can understand it, whether or not I can be a great orator of some sort, which is not important anyway, but making sure I understand it and knowing that I can apply it in my own life if it's applicable. Well, because of that misunderstanding, a lot of people find themselves among groups of people that aren't scripturally right. Their fellowship is wrong. In Ephesians chapter 5, this subject matter, the subject matter of fellowship is addressed really clearly. First of all, in verse 6, a great responsibility every person has. And this is written to the saints in Ephesus. They're already Christians. They The conversion accounts in Acts 19, 1 through 7, where the church began there. But Ephesians 5, 6, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things come the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Well, who's that? People with vain words. Vain words. Mm-hmm. He continues, for ye were sometimes darkness because they were in the world and they've been converted out, right? Right. But now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. That's a par- par- in parentheses. It's a side thought. So he comes back. 
proving, which means testing. It's like 1 Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the same principle, proving what's acceptable unto the Lord, not the 50 preachers. Right. Exactly. To the Lord. Not Brian Yeager, not no. Bill Ard, right? To the, exactly. To the Lord. To the Lord. Then, and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove, reprove them. them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What's that word reprove mean? So that just means to, admon- to admonish or to, to tell a fault to, to rebuke. It means you, you, you're telling somebody in simple terms that brother or sister, you, you, you're wrong and you need to correct this. You need to correct it. You need to get it right. Yet people will just sit and listen and say and do nothing. One of the problems in Revelation, you know, the seven churches that are addressed in the book of Revelation, one of the problems in chapter two, trying to quietly turn in my Bible here (laughs) without picking up all kinds of mic noise, the church in Pergamos in in Revelation two, one of the problems that was going on there, verses 14 through 16 says, I have a few things against thee because thou hast them there that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. So hast thou also those that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate, repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. What's, what's going on there in, in those three verses? What, what, people holding the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Yeah, yeah, holding the doctrine and uh, just, he's telling them to repent or else he's going to come to them. And, uh, with the sword of his mouth, uh, with his word, and, and, and place judgment on them. So he's telling them that they need to get rid of this doctrine that they're holding. Yeah. So. Whether they're teaching it or not. Teaching it or not, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? Because that's one of the excuses is, well, we'll agree to disagree. Right. You hold your view. I no, hold my, my view, mm-hmm. right? That rhetorical question in Amos can any two walk together except to be agreed? Amos 3 and verse 3. Mm-hmm. Um, people just ignore that God, that, God is a God draws lines exactly, mm-hmm. and, and and I can tell you coming coming uh, just on this terms of things that we're speaking now um, is is night and day from where I come from because I've never been a part of a congregation that practiced uh, uh, congregational discipline. I'm, I'm telling you there uh, there can be fornicators known fornicators that are, are, are welcome in the assembly and it's under the guise of, well, we know they're wrong, but we want to leave it open. You just never know. You might be that blessing to them one day. And that one sermon, that one sermon that they, they might miss to be able to turn them back and get their life right. That's wrong. That's wrong. You're supposed to be correcting that person. And if they're not changing and getting it right, then the scriptures are clear. They're supposed to be withdrawn from. Right. The problem in Corinth is they had a fornicator. Mm-hmm. Right. First Corinthians chapter five, and they did nothing with him. Right. Exactly. It was a problem. They mm-hmm. got complacent. So if you're in a congregation that either isn't teaching and practicing the truth or not standing with it, not disciplining according to it, I mean, how can you stay there? How can you be for the truth while having fellowship with darkness? 
you can't. And, and, and scriptures that come to mind is one of the old Testament Psalms, chapter 26, verse four and five, um, sitting in the, not sitting in the kind con- of congregation of evildoers. I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty of example there. So, I mean, you can't just sit around while a congregation is not doing the right thing. And then you're not going to be just for it if you do nothing. So. James 4, 17, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Mm -hmm. When you keep your mouth shut, you're wrong. You're wrong. Right? Right. You know, the unfortunate thing that people do, though, my brother, is they'll say, well, but I just find the best congregation that I can find. Mm -hmm. But. Christ in order to be in Christ we have to be found spotless in the end you have to be found spotless well that's a whole other can of worms Mm -hmm. that you and I both know a lot of people don't want to talk about right right and second Peter chapter three uh when uh, Peter is talking to those scoffers who wanted to act as though today and tomorrow be no different and the Lord was not going to come. It says in verses 10 through 14, the day of the Lord will come as the thief in the night in which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works therein there shall be burned up, seeing that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, it goes back. I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too much into a past podcast, but just a, a previous podcast is talking about, uh, uh, well, I'm actually not sure if you've done a podcast on this, but we've discussed this before about, you know, Christians saying that we're not perfect. Uh, we sin every day and uh, it's not intentional. But if you say you have no sin, you are a liar and the truth is not in you and not having the right understanding of what uh, sin actually is and what it isn't. And knowing that you can be spotless, you can be sinless, and it's it expected of us to be that way. Yeah, there is a podcast on that. I think it was titled, You're Making This More Difficult Than God Did. Right. Something okay. along that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where, where all of that was covered. Uh, certainly people don't have an understanding of what sin is. You and I have talked about this. Mm-hmm. There are people that think, if I have to urinate during the Lord's Supper and my mind is like not completely focused on the Lord, then I'm going to hell, mm-hmm. right? You know, look, that's not our Lord's intention, mm-hmm. right? He, he didn't want to put a heavy burden or a yoke on us, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. One, right. It's easy, uh, easy to bear. Uh, so a lot of times they think it's impossible. Uh, and then they throw out that nobody's perfect uh, statement. The word perfect just means complete, whole, Greek word teleos in Matthew 5, 48. The command mm-hmm. is be therefore perfect, even as your father which is heaven imperfect, be be complete, be whole. Mm-hmm. People say, well, that doesn't mean I'm, you know, the Lord expects me not to sin. Yeah, it does mean that. Um, whether you take that verse to understand it that way or not, other scriptures like 1 Corinthians 15, 34, awake, awake to righteousness and sin not. Sin Some not. have not the knowledge of God. I speak mm-hmm. this to your shame. So certainly the scriptures are there, but then people have this, 
nobody can get it right mentality, so I'm just going to stay in fellowship with sinners. Like, wow. Well, then why don't you just go assemble with the Catholic Church? By the way, they have more people. If we're going to go back to an earlier principle where they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and there's more people disagree with you than agree with you, so what you're saying is wrong. Well, there's many more Catholics Mm -hmm. in the world than there are in in most groups that you and I talk to, including churches of Christ. Uh, Just looking around El Paso, man, you almost hit a Catholic church everywhere, (laughs) building a building that Mm -hmm. has the church assembling in there. Uh, everywhere you go, and and uh, the numbers are astonishingly different as far as people that follow Roman Catholicism. So what, what are we supposed to convert to that because more people are there? And hey, since everybody's a sinner, what would it really matter? That's when they would draw the line though, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, and then, I mean, even clear language in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 1, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if, not when, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Awesome, huh? Very. Yep. I have notes up on uh, 1 John chapter 1 and running notes on chapter 2 on my website. If people want to study that, I know that people teach continual cleansing mm-hmm. out of 1 John chapter 1. Of course, it's contextually wrong and other scriptures prove it to be wrong. You know what I don't understand? My brother, if you're reading 1 John and you think the Lord is telling you it's okay to sin, when you come to 1 John chapter 3... Verse 7 through 10, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for a sin remaineth in him. What's the seed? Mm-hmm. What do you think the seed is? Seed is uh, seed uh, is the word. Seed is the word. Mm-hmm. He cannot sin because he's born of God. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were talking about 2 Corinthians 13, 8, that's the same point. We can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Mm-hmm. It says, in this, the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So here it is. If you're in a congregation where there is sin, then you're in a congregation of the devil. Change that sign out front, Church of Satan. Church of Satan, exactly. Book it. That's 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 clear, and that brings that 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 brings it full circle to to our discussion on today. Being a part of a sound congregation, that's important. That is very very important. Come out from among them and be separate. Mm-hmm. Second Corinthians six fourteen through seven one. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't be unequally yoked together with them. They're unbelievers. They're part of uh, idolatrous practice doctrines of men. Marking those who cause division. Mark 16, 17. I mean, Romans 16, 17 and 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Well. Yeah. So you got some other thoughts you want to share before we come to a conclusion today? Uh, um, I don't have no other thoughts other than this, that, you know, if you if you uh, if you're out there listening and um, you have questions, you might. Some of the things that I might have said today might be similar to what you're going through. Uh, if you have those questions, just please reach out. Uh, uh, Brian is willing to talk. He's willing to study with you. Even if uh, uh, you, I can put myself out there, if you want to co- come through me to get to Brian, 
I'm available as well. And my number is 915-262-6048. And I'll be willing to help you as best I can as, as well, because I've been there. So if you're out there and you're going through this, don't hesitate. Get it right. Start on the process of of not being a child of the devil and becoming a child of God. Yeah, the one difference between Bill and I is you'd be able to reach me more regularly. He works uh, full-time hours, and my work is to do this, to help people with the gospel. Uh, We're thankful that you have decided to listen. Uh, Talking about moving uh, to a sound congregation, Bill uprooted his family. You know, his family's grown a bit since they moved here. (laughs) Right. Uh, That's right. And uh, things have gone very well, and they've been among our fellowship now for four years, and I hope you've enjoyed this discussion. Uh, we didn't prepare anything uh, ahead of time. It's just been raw, just been going off uh, and talking here and playing off of each other and seeing how it goes. Been been nice. This is a lot of the way that we like to talk about the Bible on a regular basis. So maybe something in this podcast has hit you. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, man, I need to do something. Maybe you're afraid. You know, Bill be willing to talk to you. I'd be willing to talk to you. As always, My number is available in the show notes. It's 915-525-5794. Email brian at wordsoftruth.net. You can go to the website, wordsoftruth.net. I'd love to talk to you if if you're in a foreign country or somewhere where you can't get get to a a phone for whatever reason, long distance charges, whatever you got, you got internet access, we can Skype. We'll find a way. If you're anywhere, anywhere near the El Paso, Texas area, I'll meet with you in person. Uh, at your convenience, and we sit down and study. Um, you, you could take it from Bill uh, here. I'll, I'll ask him this here in a moment. Even when you disagree, what's it like to talk to me? Calm. and Just calm and, and getting to the, the fact of the matter, which is the scriptures, even if you disagree. And uh, I know you've told me before is that uh, one thing that, 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 that you, you, you see a lot is people agree with everything you say. There's no pushback whatsoever. But when you're talking about the scriptures and you don't have any questions and there's no pushback whatsoever, and something's wrong. That's Some, right. Something's wrong. I'd rather talk to somebody that has some conviction uh, than somebody who would just look at me and say, that's right, that's right, that's right. I don't mind explaining things, do I? No, not at all. No. So, hey, we're glad you've tuned in. So if you want to mark your calendars, and if you've not subscribed to the show, maybe you come and listen to it directly from my website. But it's it's available. This podcast is available on Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, Rumble, all kinds of different places. My website lists them. I've even seen it other places. Somebody told me it's on Audacity. Um, I, I don't have the direct link to that on my website. And it may be other places. I know for sure that you can subscribe and get the notifications really quick on Apple and Spotify. I use Podbean as my host. That's where the show comes from. So uh, it will drop first there, then within minutes and other places. YouTube takes a few hours for me. I have to get it up there manually. Uh, Rumble, same thing. Rumble sometimes a day or two before they uh, permit it to come up. But anyway, you want to listen to it. If you subscribe, I'm not asking for your money. Uh, I'm not looking to get popular. I don't care if the show has five listeners or five million. We just want the truth to get out there. We want you to be aided uh, by it and, and uh, hopefully have a discussion with someday. But listen, don't stay in an airing congregation because you don't think there's any other option. Give me a call and we'll try to figure it out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Till next time.